The reading from Matthew's Gospel this morning is a collection of five to six parables. It depends really on how we count verses 51 and 50 to 52 about the kingdom of God. These parables do not describe the kingdom of God in any organised way. Instead, they're like a series of snapshots, giving us different perspectives. No single picture is complete, but each gives us a glimpse that adds to our understanding of the kingdom. And helpfully for us, there is a clear pairing of these parables. Jesus addresses the parables of the mustard seed and yeast to the crowds, emphasizing to them the power of God's actions and the con contrast between small beginnings with their great outcomes. The parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl show us objects of great value, which excite great commitment and the desire for ownership. The parable of the net and the parable of the weeds in last Sunday's readings, emphasise the openness of the kingdom to all who would enter and the great judgment to come when the bad will be separated from the good. In this gospel, Matthew is describing a new kind of kingdom. First century Jews hated the Roman Empire and would have eagerly backed a militant Jewish king. Neither could the disciples also accustomed to the more traditional images of power and leadership, quite grasp Jesus' concept of this new kingdom or what a new leader should look like. They're not quite there yet. In chapter 13, Matthew has collected the stories of Jesus, the stories that Jesus told to describe his kingdom of heaven. A phrase used 32 times in Matthew. It is thought Matthew chose to use the word heaven instead of God when he spoke about the kingdom out of respect for the Jews and their sensitivity to the word God being used in a day-to-day -day language. You might notice in the Old Testament, or if you looked at a Jewish Bible, you would scripture, you would actually see the word for God with the first letter and the last letter and the middle would be left out or they would call him Yahweh. And although Jesus never concisely defined the phrase, he gave many clues, as in these parables, about the nature of his kingdom. The kingdom is so important, he said, that belonging to it is worth selling everything a person owns. People's understanding now is not exactly clear either. Men, maybe today, there are those who expect to find the kingdom in cathedrals, large churches, with massed choirs and grand organs, something quite big and noticeable. But these parables suggest that the reality of the kingdom is often found in the humblest of places, among the least likely people. A soup kitchen in a church basement, in the work of the Bath-based charity Mercy in Action, providing thousands of meals every week to families in need, so vital to the 20% of children in Bath who live under the poverty line. The power of God is clearly evident within their work and is living proof of God's kingdom. Jesus promises that God's power 
makes everything possible. Indeed, the beginnings were small. By Matthew's time, the disciples had experienced serious opposition. Written about 15 years after Mark, it did not appear that the small movement of Christ's followers stood a chance against all the forces arraigned against them. If you were a Jew in Old Testament times, you would draw your timeline showing the present age and an age to come. They're being separated by the Messiah's coming. The prophets saw nothing else, only the one advent, that of the Messiah. We know that everything they promised in the Old Testament was not fulfilled when Jesus came the first time. And Jesus said that he would come back to do the rest. For there is something else going on that no one in the Old Testament knew about. Something that we do know, that there are two advents, the coming of Jesus, and we live between these. The expectation in the Old Testament was that Elijah would come again, thus announcing the arrival of the Messiah, and the kingdom would begin. We know from a previous chapter of Matthew that those who believed John the Baptist and repented, and in turn believed in Jesus as the Messiah, because they understood John to be Elijah, also believed they had entered the kingdom. The question becomes, what kingdom do those who have accepted John the Baptist as Elijah enter? Matthew 13 is dealing with this issue. Matthew is presenting Jesus as the king, and part of Jesus' mission was to proclaim the arrival of, or the approaching kingdom. Jesus begins to do this by talking about the mystery form of the kingdom, by telling parables. We know this because earlier the disciples asked Jesus why he was speaking in parables. He tells them that the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, the disciples, but not to them. In Matthew 13, we have eight parables, six of which begin with the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus had told the disciples he teaches in parables because only those with an open and receptive heart will understand. And in the case of those who don't understand, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled. The prophecy which says, You will keep on hearing but will not understand, and you will keep seeing but you will not perceive, for the heart of this people has become dull. Because they had hard hearts, they could not hear Jesus' words. Because they would not listen to his words, they could not see who he was. They could not see he was the Messiah. Therefore, they could not see the kingdom that had come upon them. They did not want Jesus as their Messiah because they were looking for a very different type of saviour. One who would swoop down and defeat their earthly enemies, the Roman occupiers, right then and there, immediately. But while Jesus was hiding the truth from the hard-hearted, he was also revealing the truth to those whose hearts were open and willing to accept the truth. 
even if it was not what they expected. Another vital question, what did the prophets and righteous of the Old Testament not see or hear about that the disciples were hearing about and would soon see? The answer is an in-between time. In the Old Testament, they only saw and understood one coming of the Messiah, one advent. They didn't see him coming to die the first time and then returning later to judge. What Jesus is doing, he is revealing the truth about that in-between time, a mystery form of the kingdom. If you like, the church age, the time that we live in. Matthew is the only gospel that makes a direct mention of the church. And much of the instruction in Matthew is especially appropriate for the situations that Christian churches struggle with in the first century. Matthew, who had been a tax collector and now turned apostle, would be familiar with the issues and he aims to show how God intends us to live and work in his new kingdom. To live and work in his new kingdom. A complex task for Christians to live in two worlds. We stand with one foot in the human world, where our work may be subject to unspoken expectations that may or may not be in accordance with God's ways. At the same time, we have subjects, we are subjects of God's kingdom, and we're committed to non-worldly values and expectations. How hard is this? Matthew is keen to show us how to navigate the human world using God's compass, pointing towards the world's true identity as the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom has come to earth even though it has not yet been fully realized, he is teaching us through the words of Jesus's parables. A world where we are called to live and work according to God's call as resident aliens in the in-between age. And the parables of the yeast encourages us for involvement with the world that we live in, not to use our faith as a shelter from it, Yeast can do its work only when mixed into a large quantity of raw dough, the world. Otherwise, this yeast is useless. We are called to share what we have received in the world with the world, to be there when people need us. Amen.